Welcome once again to everyone uh, to Grace Community Church. It's good to see you all. So uh, today we are continuing the series, What is a Christian? And uh, today and next Sunday will be the last two installments of that series. Uh, So you don't want to miss that. But the following week, August 26th, uh, will be um, Sherry's and my last Sunday with you. And that Sunday is a very important Sunday in that I will be sharing a message entitled um, How to Love Your Pastor. So I want you all to be there here for that so that uh, the next week when David comes back, you'll know how to love him. Okay, that's the whole idea. So we're talking about uh, what is a Christian. By now, you know the difference between a Christian and a disciple. Uh, I wonder how many of you are uh, know enough history or are old enough to remember a famous um, uh, actor, comedian from the 1920s and 1930s, a man by the name of W.C. Fields. How many remember W.C.? Okay, now, now you weren't around there in Elaine, but uh, you remember him, yeah. I was around there before him. <laughs> <laughs> we got historian right here. Uh, but anyway, W.C. Fields was a prodigious sinner. Uh, he was a womanizer, a boozer, I mean, anything that you do wrong, he did it. And, uh, and he made fun of all that because he was this comedian. Well, one day he was in his dressing room and a friend came into his dressing room and found him sitting there with an open Bible. And his friend said, uh, W.C., I've seen you read a lot of things, but I've never seen you read the Why are you reading the Bible? And he said, and he used to always have a cigar in his hand, he said, I'm just looking for loopholes. Um, that's what we're going to talk about today. Christians who are looking for loopholes. I call them loophole Christians. So we want to start by kind of uh, looking at this idea. In a few moments, we're going to be looking at Matthew chapter 15. But I just want to share with you uh, kind of a difference between a loophole Christian and a disciple. So uh, let's look at those two concepts Uh, I want to start by saying that um, uh, we all love loopholes. And you know what they are. They're a way of uh, getting around a law or requirement. It comes naturally to most of us. In fact, most of us started when we were children and teenagers. Uh, We are looking for loopholes. Uh, Like a teenager said, Mom, you said, are the parents going to be home at the party? I knew eventually they would be home, but you didn't ask if they would be home during the party, technically. So that's a loophole, a workaround. We hear that from our teenagers. Or officer, the sign says no skateboards. I only brought one. Or the six-year-old who said, who, whose mother asked him, did you wash your hands? Uh, yes, three days ago, but I did wash my hands. Even six-year-olds know how to use loopholes. We love as Christians, we love our loopholes. So um, years ago, uh, uh, my grandparents, my paternal grandparents, uh, lived in, uh, near us in San Diego. <clears throat> I used to love my grandparents. They were great because, uh, you know, grandparents are awesome because they give you all, everything you want and you don't have to obey them. It's just really great. And that's what at least my, what my grandkids do. Uh, but uh, Grandma and Grandpa Cross... Uh, were raised in southern Illinois, so staunch southern Baptists. 
moved to San Diego, and that's where my dad was born and my mom and met, and that's why I grew up in San Diego. But as staunch Southern Baptists in the 1950s and 1960s, there was a real strong strain of legalism. And let me explain to you what that was like. So um, you are not supposed, you know, thou shalt honor the Sabbath. Okay, that's one of the big ten, one of the top ten commandments. Uh, We're supposed to honor the Sabbath. So this is the way it was translated to my grandparents. That means you can't work on Sunday. Now, granted, the Sabbath is actually Saturday. Sunday, we worship on Sunday because that's when the resurrection took place. Acts 20 says the believers... Um, worshiped on the first day of the week. So that's why we do Sunday. But the Sabbath, you're supposed to honor and keep it holy. So that meant to my grandmother that she's not supposed to cook on Sunday. How many of you remember that rule? Okay, yeah. <laughs> yeah, moms like it today. Uh, so, but that was kind of a, a rule. It has nothing to do with the Bible, but that was a rule that was passed down. And, um, and so uh, my grandma would cook all this food on Saturday. And then it would be there on Sunday. You didn't have to cook it. They didn't have microwaves in those days, so you wouldn't have to cook it, so that you weren't breaking the law. So, so that was it. So they come home and eat like that. So uh, as staunch Christians, staunch Southern Baptists, um, if you love God, you go to church on Sunday morning. If you love Jesus, you go to church on Sunday night. And if you love the Trinity, you go to church on Wednesday night too. So, you know, uh, that's the way it was in those days. And so Sunday night church started at 6 o'clock, didn't get over till like 8.30. And after church, a grandma and grandpa invited their pastor over for coffee. Now, I don't know how coffee made the cut, where you can cook coffee, but you can't cook anything else, but it did. So they came over for coffee, they visited, and it got later and later, and my grandfather kept dropping hints, you know, it's 10 o'clock, it's 11 o'clock. And then at 12.01, the pastor gets up and said, Walter, to my grandfather, let's go and get some uh, hamburgers. Okay, let's go get some hamburgers. Some uh, 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 White Castles, they lived in the Chicago area, right? And, uh, And so they did that. Well, why could they do that? Well, it was no longer... Sunday, and it doesn't matter if somebody works at a restaurant on Monday, but you can't do that on Sunday and support that, and so some kid that's making minimum wage, you know, is cooking hamburgers at 12.30 in the morning, and that was okay, but you see how silly our loopholes become, because here's the commandment. Ten Commandments. Use the big ten. God said, I want to give you these commandments so that you don't hurt yourself and you don't hurt other people. That's why he gave us the commandments. Don't stumble over these. Really, it was an act of love because he loved us so much he didn't want to constantly see us, remember from a couple weeks ago, you know, saying, gotcha. You know, okay, that sin, that adultery thing, gotcha. You know, that not honoring your parents thing, gotcha. And so he constantly was trying to keep us from hurting ourselves. So this was what we found in making loopholes. We all do that. So here's a couple of a uh, couple of ideas. So if you grew up Catholic, and I'm sure many of you did, if you grew up Catholic, uh, you had this awesome loophole called confession. In other words, you could do all your sins, you could sin all you wanted all week, dump them in a bucket, okay, and then go to confession on Saturday night or whenever, and just dump them out, confess them, and boom, they're gone. You know, that, that's an awesome thing. I, my, I used to have Catholic friends and I was very jealous of them because they could just sin all the time and then just do the confession thing. But we as Protestants had our own thing. We didn't have um, a confession. We had, we had a verse. 
right? Right? And what was that verse? 1 John 1, 9, right? We had our verse. If we confess our sins, he's faithful and just to forgive us our sins and cleanse us from all unrighteousness. That was like our bucket verse, right? We dump all our sins, we do all our sins, and then at night, we pull out 1 John 1, 9 and say, God, I'm so sorry I did it again. And, we, and here's the kicker with that one. God doesn't even remember our sins when we confess them. Isn't that awesome? And it was awesome. But we would use that and misuse that as a loophole. Super liberal Christians, you know, that went to those super liberal churches, if they got in a jam, they would just say, well, we don't believe Jesus actually said that or Paul really didn't write that. Write that. So everybody had their loopholes. Anytime we run into something we don't want to do or we don't want to believe, we turn it sideways. We, well, what it really means is this. The context is different. We love our loopholes. So a few years ago at Hope, I was, uh, a woman made an appointment to see me. And so she came in and she said, uh, Pastor Dwayne, she said, I am going to ask my husband for a divorce. And I should never ask this question, but I did. I said, why? She said, well, because he's an idiot. Okay, so I, you know, that's not the way you start a counseling session. And, but here's what she said, and this is the truth. She said, I know God says he hates divorce. And I know it's going to hurt a lot of people. And I know it's probably wrong, but I want to get rid of this guy. I said, well, why did you come to me if you already know what I'm going to tell you? She said, I'm looking for a loophole. How many people do that? We all do that. We're looking for a loophole. Is there something you can tell me that said, okay, I can go this far to the edge of sin, but no further? Because if you crop slow, how far can I go and not sin? Teenagers? Boys? Okay. How far can I go and not sin? That's not the right question. In fact, it's a whole different question that a disciple asks than that. So let's look at that. So we're not going to settle for loopholes. We're going to decide that. I remember um, in uh, the early 1970s, I was a youth pastor, and uh, we uh, had this, uh, it was a high school camp at Alpine in Southern California. And um, so I was the speaker at the camp, and I had this idea, and the, the theme of the camp was dating, sex, and marriage. And in those days, if you wanted to fill up a camp, that's what the theme was. Actually, it's the same today. So, uh, uh, so anyway, so we had this full camp of high schoolers, and the theme was dating, sex, and marriage. And I would speak at night, and we had this panel during the day, uh, and 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 all the kids would ask questions anonymously, write questions out. And here's what was fascinating to me, and also very sad to me: all of the questions were about loopholes. How far can I go with my girlfriend before it's too far? I mean, we learned this from Bill Clinton. What is the definition of sex, right? We, we don't know. How, how far can I go and, and it not be sex? How far can I go and I'm still okay? How far can I go and, and if the rapture happens, I'm still going to go up? You know, you know th- those were, we were raising a generation of loophole Christians, even back then. Always have. We still have them today. But we're not going to settle for loop, loophole Christians. We're not going to do it. Because uh, what we need to look at is not so much the command. We already know the commands. We know that, Big Ten and everything else. What we need to look at is not so much the command. We have forgotten the intent of the commander. Why did he give us these laws? 
why, does he, why did he give us these rules, these regulations? And there's not nearly as many as you think there are. Because in the Jewish faith, they had the Big Ten. Everybody knew that God gave them that. This is to keep you from hurting yourself and hurting others. And, and from there, they made 600 laws to explain those laws. And then after that, the Midrash, thousands of laws to explain those 600 that explain those 10. Layer upon layer of rules and regulations. And by the time you got to the Midrash, it had nothing to do with the intent of the commander. So um, we, lived, we were living in Minnesota, and our son Nathan was 16 years old. And uh, Tammy was on her way to college. And uh, so Nathan's girlfriend came over. She had dinner with us. And then they wanted to go down to the basement. We had a little family room down there with a television. That's where the television was. We wanted to go down to the basement and watch television. So, okay, sure. Um, and uh, so they're down there. And, of course, Sherry and I would walk by and we'd listen. Okay, okay. And, uh, that, you know, that's what you do with 16-year-olds. And, uh, and so then after one of the times I was checking, the lights were turned off. Yeah, exactly. Parents go, uh-oh. Yeah. So I stomp down there and I make it loud enough so they hear me. And certainly they're, you know, they're cuddled up watching TV. And I said, son, you know the rule to leave the lights on. And here's what Nathan said. But dad, you're telling us all the time to turn the lights off. You know, <laughs> he was looking for a loophole. Okay. Now my real rule was not keep the lights on. My real rule was no messing around in the basement, right? But both of us were looking for loopholes and how to communicate that. So we're told that rules keep you from breaking the rules that are the actual rules. Let me say that again. We're told, this is loophole Christians, we're told that the rules to keep you from breaking the rules were the actual rules. Jesus said, that's not right. And this is what I'm going to say. Turn your Bibles, if you have them, to Matthew chapter 15. If you have your devices, Matthew 15, we're looking at verses 1 through 7. Jesus, once again, is confronting the Pharisees, the religious rulers, and you know who they were. They were the smartest people in the room. They were the most educated people in the room. And they were the wealthiest people in the room. So people paid attention to the religious rulers and the Pharisees. Now, these people knew the Bible, the Bible that they knew at that time, which is the Old Testament, or a good portion of it, and a few scraps of uh, Gospels. But that's all they had in, in the days, uh, in those days. So here, here we have these people. If you, were a, uh, if you were a Pharisee, if you were a Jewish leader, by age 12, you had memorized the Pentateuch. Memorized. Genesis, Exodus, Leviticus, Numbers, Deuteronomy. You know, are you kidding? You know, boom. You know, that's, that's not easy. And then when you're 15, you've memorized all the rest of the history and uh, the, the uh, Psalms and Proverbs, all of that kind of... Li- so you knew the entire Old Testament when you were 15. These people knew the Bible, okay? So it's not just about knowing the Bible. These people knew the Bible. Listen to what Jesus said in verse 1, chapter 15. Then some of the disciples and teachers of the law came to Jesus from Jerusalem and asked, why do your disciples, there's our word, disciples, why do your disciples break the tradition of the elders? They don't wash their hands before they eat. Okay, now parents, okay, you've got some ammunition with your six-year-old, right? The Bible says you're supposed to wash your hands before you eat, okay? Well, actually, the Bible doesn't say that. That's what the tradition was saying, but the Bible didn't say that. But anyway, don't tell your six-year-old that. Just tell him the Bible says so. Okay, so, so that's what he said. Jesus replied, and why do you break the command of God for the sake of your tradition? Now, what was the tradition? The tradition was the rules to explain the rules to explain the rules. 
That was tradition. Stack upon stack upon, had very little to do with the Big Ten. Very, almost nothing to do with the Sabbath. Almost nothing to do with honoring your mother and father. Almost nothing to do with adultery. Almost nothing, but stack upon stack upon stack upon. And they said, that's the tradition. That's what you should really pay attention to. Jesus is saying, absolutely not. Jesus replied, and why do you break the command of God for the sake of your tradition? Verse 4, for God said, honor, he's going to give an example, honor your father and mother, one of the big tens, right? And anyone who curses his father or mother must be put to death. But you say to the Pharisees, okay, that's one of the big tens. That's an important commandment. You're supposed to honor your mom and dad. Take care of them, especially in their old age. You know, they don't have, they didn't have retirement communities like, you know, we do today. They took care of their parents until they died, right? And so he said, you got to do that. And then it says, honor your father and mother. And anyone who curses his father or mother must be put to death. Verse five. But you say that if a man says to his father or mother, whatever help you might otherwise have received from me is a gift devoted to God. In other words, I'm not going to, mom and dad, you gave me life, you gave me everything. I'm not going to give you a nickel because I'm devoting my money to God. Now, that didn't do that, but that's how, that was their loophole. That was their workaround. Okay, we don't want to have to take care of mom and dad, so we're going to say that, well, we're going to give this money to missions or to the poor or something else. Look, listen to what Jesus says. Uh, they continue, uh, I'm not going to give it to... Uh, I'm going to give it to God, not to my parents. He is not to honor his father with it. Thus, you nullify the word of God for the sake of your tradition. You hypocrites. You nullify the real intent of the commander with your traditions. Oh, you can't cook food on Sunday. How ridiculous is that? has nothing to do with honoring the Sabbath. In fact, if you look in the Old Testament, honoring the Sabbath means to rest in the Lord. Rest in the Lord. It has really nothing to do with the physical things you do, but to rest in the Lord. So here is Jesus talking to these people. This tradition, laws about laws, um, it wasn't part of the Mosaic law. And he said, the command is what you're focused on and what I'm focused on, Jesus said, is the heart of the commander. The heart of what, why God said this. Why God gave these commandments, the actual laws. You people twist it. You forget its intent. It's a loophole for you. I mean, dedicated to everything to God. So I can't help mom and dad robbing, and therefore I'd be robbing God. What a ridiculous argument that is. But that was a rule upon a rule. That's a loophole. I'm looking for a way out. Another example of that is um, uh, tithing. Okay, uh, as soon as I say that word, some of you went like that. Okay, like, okay. yeah, tithing. Uh, the Bible is very clear that we're supposed to give our first fruits to God. And uh, the, a tithe is a tenth of what you have, and that's what tithing is all about. But somebody that's a loophole Christian will say something like this. I guarantee it. And so if, you've some, if you've, some of you, you have said that, or if your husband said it, you can squeeze his arm as I'm talking. Okay, okay. here's what some, people, some loophole Christians would say. Well, the Old Testament talks about the tithe, but the New Testament never mentions the tithe. Well, that's because the New Testament is talking about giving everything, every part of you. Go and sell all you have, give to the poor, etc. In other words, that's just a loophole. That's somebody who doesn't want to honor God with their first fruits. That is a loophole Christian. And what does Jesus call them? He said, you hypocrites. Now, that is a fun word. 
And, uh, and non-Christians love that word, okay? So we're going to practice that word. I'm going to have you say it together, okay? Uh, you hypocrites, what do you say? One, two, three, you hypocrites. Okay, now you didn't say it like Jesus said it. You said, you hypocrites, no. Okay, let's say it like you mean it. You hypocrites. Now, uh, some people say, well, the world says the church is filled with hypocrites. You know what I say to that? You're absolutely right. I mean, why do you think we're a church? We, at least we know we're hypocrites. We know we don't always do what we say. We know that. We know we don't always love like we should love. We are, and when somebody says, well, I don't go to church because it's filled with hypocrites, I said, listen, there's always room for one more. So you come along. Okay. So, and always room for one more. But to see how Jesus took this? They had taken this. They had turned it around, turned it on its side, made it fit their own beliefs. Instead of understanding the intent of the commander, they were focused on the command and they made that command something so meaningless and yet they held on to it as their tradition. Here's the bottom line. Jesus doesn't want us using God's word, words to avoid doing God's will. Let me say that again. Some of you are going, mm. Jesus doesn't want us using God's words to avoid doing God's will. That's a workaround. That's a loophole. God says, we don't do that. Now, you can define Christian any way you want. We've talked about that time and time again. But when you are a disciple, you're asking a whole different set of questions. Instead of, how far can I go before I'm sinning? Instead of, uh, can I get away with this and still be okay with God? Instead of asking those kind of questions, we ask a completely different kind of question. And we'll get to that in just a minute. Now, when you define a loophole Christian, let me give you a couple of examples of of that. So when I was a youth pastor, uh, there was a girl in our youth group. Her name was uh, Susan. As an adult, she became a really good friend of Sherry's and mine. Um, Susan was in my youth group. I was only a few years older than the kids. I was just uh, in college. And um, so Susan and her mother came up. Actually, her mother, her name was Peggy. She had Susan by the arm and she came stomping up to me. And she said, you need to straighten my daughter out. Okay, now when a parent does that to a youth pastor, Brian, run, you know, (laughs) run as fast as you can. You know, that's usually a parent that uh, hasn't parented correctly and they want you to parent their kid. And so here, you've got to straighten my daughter out. I said, well, what's the problem? She said, Susan is dating a a black kid. A kid, I had gone to school with his brother in San Diego. Great family, a great great kid. Loved the Lord. He was a wonderful kid. But in the 1960s, that was pretty much taboo, right? It's funny how uh, sins of, uh, you know, uh, lightning rod sins change every generation. You you all know that. You've been through it. And this whole idea that, oh, but that that was a biggie back in the 60s. That was a, that was, that was a biggie. And there's, and then Peggy, the mother followed up this way. She said, she said, would you tell my daughter what the Bible says? And I'm thinking, uh, that's what I do every week. And uh, tell my daughter what the Bible says, that you're not supposed to be unequally yoked. I said, what? I didn't say that because I was too stunned with that. And she said, yeah, she, you're not supposed to be unequally. Now, what she didn't say was that has nothing, you know, this girl dating a black kid had nothing to do with that verse. That verse is, you're not to be unequally yoked, what? With unbelievers. 
It has to do with your belief, not the color of your skin. God, you care less about the color of your skin. He cares about the condition of your heart. He doesn't care about the color of your skin. This whole idea of interracial marriage and all that, that stuff, that was another generation ago. Anyway, so she was, and then she went on and she said this. She said, Moses married a Moabite, a black woman, and God wouldn't let him enter the promised land. (laughs) Both things are true and both things are totally irrelevant. They have nothing to do with each other. Yes, he did marry a Moabite, and yes, he was kept out of the promised land, but it wasn't because he married her. In fact, she was one of the best things that ever happened to him. Every loophole Christian has a verse for this, a justification for that. The Civil War was fought about anti-slavery, one of the main reasons, anti-slavery. It was on both sides. They verified their position, what? With the Bible. You can take a verse and you can make it mean anything you want. Just like Christians can say, I'm, you know, I can just believe anything I want, you know, because I'm an American. That makes me a Christian, etc., etc. Now, this happens all the time with loophole Christians. You want something, you want to prove something you believe, you want to prove that your experience is okay, so you go to the Bible and you pick out something that's a loophole Christian. What's interesting is that, as I said earlier, there's all kinds, there's kind of this generational sins, so lightning rod sins back in the 50s and 60s, it was about racial intermarriage, in the 70s it was about drinking, uh, that Christians aren't supposed to drink, and other Christians said, well, sure you are, and, and now that's a forgotten thing, and, and, and it was about a marriage, and uh, a divorce and remarriage was a big deal in the 60s and 70s and 80s, and that's kind of fallen away, that's not a big, you know, people don't talk about that anymore. Today it's about same-sex marriage, and about uh, what we believe about about undocumented workers, and there's always these, these generational lightning rod sins. And we get all worked up about all these things, and we take Bible verses to prove our point of view, and everybody's proving their point of view from the same Bible, which is kind of silly, because that means, means somebody's missing the point of all this. And then we go back and we say, okay, now what did Jesus say about this? And he said it over and over and over and over again, and we forget it. Here's what Jesus said. You, don't, you know this verse. John 13, 34, and 35, a new command I give you, love one another as I have loved you. How are we supposed to love each other? As I have loved you. So you must love one another. All men will know you are my disciples if you love one another. All men, not just Christ followers, not just loophole Christians, but people that don't know Jesus, people that are afraid of Jesus, people that are way out in the world, everybody will see the way you love each other and say, I want that. If you're a bullhorn guy, if you're a turn or burn guy, nobody's going to want that. But if you love somebody the way that Jesus loved you, they're going to say, I want that. And you love them until they ask you why. And then you tell them, it's because of Jesus in my life. I don't know how we miss this. For Christianity, for 1,500 years, missed this. The first 300 years, they had it right. But after that, we just kind of totally missed this. We, we put this love at the top. Not our theology, not our interpretation, not our doctrine. Those are all subservient to love one another. The way you love is how I loved you. Now, this is cool. This took hold in the first century, and it revolutionized the world. You know this. We talked about this. Uh, the first 300 years, the disciples spread the gospel message uh, where there were hundreds of thousands of believers after 300 years, even though there was tens of thousands that were persecuted and killed. But the only way that they were able to deliver the gospel message because they had no other leverage is the only leverage they had was love. 
They had no other leverage. They had no money, no education. They had nothing. But they delivered the message with love and it changed and transformed the world. 25 years later, Paul, writing to Rome after Jesus uh, resurrected, he pushed this same thing hard. Here's what he said in Romans 13. Let no debt remain outstanding. That's kind of a Dave Ramsey moment, okay? Let no debt remain outstanding except what? The continuing debt. Notice that word, that participle. The continuing debt to love one another. For he who loves his fellow man has fulfilled the law. Did you get that last part? A lot of people skip right over this. That last part. He who loves his fellow man has fulfilled the law. The law, that Old Testament, the Big Ten, all of those 600, the Midrash, all of that, all fulfilled when you love each other with the love of Jesus. This is revolutionary. Christians somehow have missed this. They get so hung up on the command instead of the, the intent of the commander. And God says, let no debt remain outstanding except the continuing debt to love one another. For he who loves his fellow man has fulfilled the law. I owe a debt to anyone in this room that I look eye to eye with and say, because Jesus has loved me, I owe a debt of love to you. Anybody I see at the gym, anybody I see at church, anybody I see in the marketplace, anybody I see on my job, at my school, anybody I see, I say to myself, I owe a debt of love to this person. Oh, they're different than me. They have different sexual orientation. They have a different colored skin. They have a different socioeconomic background. I don't care. Anybody that you see, you owe them a debt of love because of how Jesus loved you. We've missed this. How have we missed this? Because we're so focused on our doctrine that we forget about the real intent of the commander. And he goes on in Romans 13, 9 and 10. The commandments do not commit adultery, do not murder. Now he's talking about the big 10, so this is good stuff, right? The commandments do not commit adultery, do not murder, do not steal, do not covet. And whatever other commandment there may be are summed up in this one rule. Love your neighbor as yourself. Man, we've just messed this up. We've got to get this right. The intent of the commander. We do not want to be a church of loophole Christians. How lame is that? That you're always trying to find a workaround. Well, how far can I go before I get in trouble? How, can I, how close to the edge can I come before I'm actually sinning? Those are loophole Christians. Here's another way, another question that we ask instead of those kind of questions. And it's the only question that matters. And it's the question that we heard from so many other writers, Peter and John and James, and it's this, what does love require of me? Everything else is secondary. In other words, don't you dare take a verse or a passage or a story and use it to unlove someone else. We've all done it. I've done it. We've all done it. But don't you dare take a verse or a passage or a story and use it to unlove someone else. That same-sex couple, that Muslim neighbor, a road rager, a person of the opposite political persuasion, an undocumented worker, don't use anything in the Bible to unlove those people. Jesus said, if you do, you're a hypocrite. I mean, loophole Christians say, honey, the Bible says you're supposed to submit to me. I remember saying that to my wife when we were first married. I was 21 years old, she was 19. And she said, what? She knew the Bible verse. 
But she knew also what the Bible says about mutual submission. Mutual submission out of reverence to Christ, okay? Here's what a young husband should say to his wife. Not you should submit to me, but honey, how can I serve you? How can I be a blessing to you? That's a husband that's truly serving his wife and loving his wife. How can I help you? How can I encourage you? How can I bless you? Christians say, I'm going to use the Bible as a mace or a a weapon. Teenagers say, well, how far can I go and still be okay? It's the wrong question. The question is this, what does love require of me? What does it look like to really love my girlfriend? What does it look like to really love and respect my girlfriend? That's the question you should be asking, not how far can I go? See, Christians use the Bible as a weapon, but disciples use the Bible as a mirror. We put it up to ourselves and we say, I want the heart of Jesus. I want the mind of Jesus. I want the hands and the feet of Jesus. That's what I want. And then the question comes naturally, what does love require of me? Not simply what does the Bible say, but what was the intent, the heart of the author? And that was to love one another. You can't read Jesus' words enough and not hear that over and over and over again. Now, no one in this room loves or respects uh, the Bible more than I do. I love it with all my heart. But in my ministry, in my life, I've seen too many people use the Bible as a weapon to hurt people, especially non-believers. And that's just wrong. Because the Bible says the first thing that happens before anything else, before all this doctrine and theology and everything else, it's all from love. Everything else flows from love. Because here's the truth. Loophole Christians talk about people. Oh, that group, that, that racial group, that economic group, that group, that, 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 those people, those and them. But disciples talk to people. They don't talk about people. They talk to people. That's what love requires. Disciples move in the direction of people that are not like them. I, one thing that really bothers me is hothouse hot, hot Christians. Christians that insulate themselves and their children from the world. My goodness, we're supposed to be a light and salt in the world. We're supposed to change the world, not stay away from the world. But these kind of people desire to know what love is about. People that are outside the faith. Last week we talked about the sinners and tax collectors, how they gathered around Jesus and Jesus would talk to them and they were drawn. They leaned in to hear Jesus' words because they knew that he didn't just talk about the commands, but he looked like the commander. This will draw you out of your comfort zone. This will draw you to outside of your type of people. This will draw you to a new place of guess who's coming to dinner. Not a compromise, not abandoning your faith, but loving people the way Jesus loved you. Jesus, John, Paul, Peter all said the same thing. The law is secondary to love and it's subservient to love. The commands flow from love to love one another. And this is transformation. I want to close with this. I have given God a thousand loopholes 
to not love me. A thousand reasons to say, Dwayne, you haven't cut it. But he didn't do any of that. He looked at me, he looked at my heart, and he loved me and he forgave me in spite of myself. But God commended his love toward us that while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. And he did that for me. I mean, I, God could say something like this. Uh, listen, Dwayne, I've been taking some notes. I've seen what you've done and said and believed. And, and you're asking me for a favor? Are you kidding me? God didn't say that. He said, I love you. And I will grace you. And I will forgive you. God is not a God of loopholes. And his love for me is the reason why. I want to wake up every day and look every person in the eye and say, the debt that I owe of love, I commute to you. What does love require of me? That's what disciples ask. They ask that question every day. Would you bow your heads with me? Father, we thank you for the privilege of serving you. And Lord, there are times when we don't even know how to react or respond to your words that we're to love each other the way that you loved us. We are so lost because we are so tied up in our own sense of righteousness, our own sense of what's right and wrong. And Father, you have said that all of those things must flow from this idea of the way that you loved us. We love each other. Everything else will fall in place from there. Lord, that's my prayer for this congregation, this beautiful group of Christ followers this beautiful group of people that we call disciples. I pray that each one of them would face you directly, clearly as a mirror and they would simply ask this question over and over again this week. What does love require of me? And Lord, I pray that as we contemplate this question, you would meet us in a profound way as we celebrate your great love for us. Without any loopholes, Without any questions, you simply loved us and died for us on the cross. And for that, we give you praise. We pray this in Jesus' name.